Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Hiva, and I'm here to provide some, I don't know, comedic relief, distraction, inspiration, maybe a different viewpoint on what is really kind of a very dark week for all of us in the United States. Um, Obviously, you've heard about the Supreme Court ruling, and what you may or may not know is that I'm an attorney, and I worked in policy for many years. I have a tremendous amount of experience reading Supreme Court cases, commenting on them, dissecting them, analyzing them, writing about them, etc., etc. So, I kind of thought that maybe I would read the decision and break it down in this podcast, but as I was reading it, I decided against that because that's not really what we do on this podcast. Basically, to break it down, it would have to turn into a full constitutional law course, and that's just not what we do. Like, I don't know how many people care, but it is a very complex legal situation, right? It's it's a little more complex than the justices hate women and want to outlaw abortion. Like there are kind of deeper considerations in how our government works, which body of government is supposed to have which kinds of rights and how they execute it, yada, yada, yada. Nevertheless, what I do want to say is that Everything we say, everything we do is all 100% influenced by our own biases. So basically, the crux of the decision lies in the fact that the judiciary is not supposed to have a legislative authority. It's not the judiciary's job to make laws. And what the majority was saying essentially is that Roe v. Wade read a lot like a statutory decision like it was it was like a statute like a law a law that elected officials are supposed to pass i.e congress it did not read like a judicial decision it's not the judge's jobs to make to pass laws that's just not why they're there it's outside of their powers they're not allowed to do that so the crux of the decision was that the courts never had the authority to do something like Roe v. Wade, Congress should have passed Roe v. Wade. Now, whether, like, regardless of where you stand on abortion, there's room to see both bullshit and validity in that statement in and of itself. And my point is this. I think that you can justify anything in your mind depending on your own biases. So I think that there's a way to argue, like if those justices were just internally in their own minds very supportive of the right to body autonomy, they could make the argument that Roe v. Wade was never like a statutory decision, that it was fully within the court's rights. You know, like everything that we say or do is colored by our own biases. And this is a clear example of that. Now, like I said, it's a lot more complex and we're not going to dive into it. I just, what we like to talk about here is self-improvement, mental health, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical well-being, right? That That's the crux of this podcast. It's not constitutional law. But biases fall into the things that we talk about here. It falls into self-improvement. So 
I don't know, this is rambly and I don't know if it's making sense to people, but what I'm saying is we all have biases and we are all ruled by our biases. I mean, think about a time that you got in a fight with someone because they said something and you interpreted it in some way in your mind because of shit that's happened in the past in your own life. We've all been in that situation. That's another example of our biases ruling us. This decision is another example of our biases ruling us. Our biases are constantly ruling us. And in this situation, it's really unfortunate because four people's biases ruling them have resulted in a lot of women having rights taken away from them and things becoming a lot less safe potentially in the future in this country. But on top of being angry about that, on top of, you know, taking action on top of everything else, we really need to take a moment and look at where our own biases are affecting us because otherwise we're no better than everyone else. Everyone thinks that they're right. We all think that we're right. Otherwise, like you know, that's just the premise. I mean, I remember having a conversation with Ozzy yesterday about propaganda. Um, I was saying Wally is kind of like a propaganda movie. And he's like, what for? And I was like, well, environmental stuff. Like it's like warning us about what we're doing to the planet. And he's like, well, that's good propaganda. And I was like, well, yeah, but everyone thinks like every, the maker of the propaganda always thinks that it's good propaganda because the maker of the propaganda agrees with the message behind it. It's the people who disagree who think it, it's bad propaganda, but every propaganda is good propaganda to someone because we all think we're right, right? And sometimes we're not. And <laughs> in this situation, I think Every single person listening to this podcast pretty much, maybe with the exception of a few, thinks that the justices in this scenario are wrong. Their biases are wrong, right? That's what I personally believe. Um, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but just having a good understanding of my audience, I would imagine the vast majority of us agree with that, right? And I'm not saying that we're wrong. I'm just saying there's always a time where we think we're right about something that we are wrong about, just like these justices think they're right about this and they are wrong, right? I mean, probably. I don't know. I think they're wrong. So I don't know. I think this is a good wake-up call to look at all of your own biases and all of the ways that you take action, all of the underlying things that prompt you to take action and think, like, where could I maybe be wrong, you know? So yeah, just wanted to touch on that. Um, another thing I want to say is that this is a time of self-care. It's a time of community care, you know. Um, also, I've heard that what we should be doing right now is donating to abortion clinics and not Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood is apparently very well funded right now. Um, what we should be do doing is donating to state abortion clinics. Um, also, this might be controversial, but abortion has now become a state's issue. So states can pass whatever laws they want. You know what states respond to? is how much tax income they get. You know how they lose tax income when you leave the state. Now, is it feasible to pack up all your shit and move out of a state because you don't agree with the laws? For the vast majority of people, it is not. That's just the simple truth. But if you are someone who lives in a state 
that's about to pass some unfavorable abortion laws and you have the means, the resources, and the ability to exit that state, that sends a very powerful message. Again, this is a situation of privilege. The vast majority of people do not have the luxury to just pack up their shit and move from a state just because they don't like the laws. That's just the unfortunate truth. But some of us do. And this is, if you're looking for a way to do something, that's something you can actually do. Um, But yeah, donate to abortion clinics. I mean, feel your feelings and let's not let this be a black square on Instagram moment where, you know, everyone does the thing, you're sharing a few tweets in your Instagram stories, and then next week, no one gives a shit. This is a longer haul situation. And, you know, we really need to band together as a community and also be there for each other and help each other. I mean, those of us who are privileged enough to live in states with good laws, I think this is a time where we need to figure out how to help other people. So, yeah. Oh, and last thing, um, as you may know from uh, Justice Thomas's concurring opinion, there are some other cases that the Supreme Court may be reconsidering now. One is um, same-sex marriage. Of course, it's super unfortunate that right at the end of Pride Month, we get this news, but this is a really important time of allyship. Um, Do I pronounce that word right? I literally have no idea. But, you know, for the LGBTQ plus audience, I'm truly terrified for you. It's like I get emotional just thinking about it and, you know, to the rest of the audience, look out for your LGBTQ plus friends. This is a time of serious fear for them, especially, I mean, think if you're part of the LGBTQ plus community and you have a uterus, this is just slam after slam for you right now. And, you know, I see you, I feel you, we're all, we're all here to fight for you. I don't know how yet, but we are all here to fight for you. So, okay, that's all I'm going to say on this topic. I'm going to just gather my breath for a second and move along to more frivolous shit. Because, like, what the fuck do you do when the world is burning? You fight or you distract yourself or you do some combination of the two. Because, like, literally, what else is there? Okay, so... (laughs) Also, if you're wondering, there was no cut there. I literally just took a breath and my tone changed. So um, I finished the Harry Potter movies. This is, I mean, what a fucked up transition. Like, I don't know. How do you do this? I literally have no idea. Okay, I finished the Harry Potter movies. So if you don't know my background with Harry Potter, because this is what matters in the world right now. I had never read or seen the movies up until 2019. When I first moved to the U.S., um, I believe the first book had just come out and it was really big. And I did start reading it and I did think it was good. I just kind of stopped because, I don't know, like ADHD or like whatever, inability to stick things through. But I think it's just um, I can have a bit of contrarian tendencies. Like sometimes like if things are really popular, I'm like, "Mm, fuck that. 
It must not be good, which is not a trait that I really like about myself, to be completely honest. Like, I think it points to some um, maybe narcissistic type of qualities. Like, it's definitely a little bit... um, uh, avoidant attachment-y. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there was an a, episode on attachment styles like a month or so ago. Really don't know what it's called or what number it is. So, okay, you know what? I'll just look it up because <laughs> just the level of effort going in right now is minimal. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, okay. May 24th, attachment styles, everything you need to know to feel secure and at ease in relationships. Okay, that would have been an easy find. So yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about with attachment styles, go back to that episode. Honestly, if you're if it's your first time listening, this must be just an absolute mess. Like I, I'm so sorry for you. Uh, this podcast used to be a little more organized, a little less frazzled, but I'm going through something with my dog, which you'll hear an update on in a minute, but here we are. It is what it is. So, um, yeah, it is a thing in, uh, not fearful avoid dismissive avoidant attachment styles. They tend to kind of like look down on other people's opinions. And that's what, like, if you're a kind of a contrarian, I think what's really happening is you kind of look down on other people's opinions. Okay. This is the dumbest tangent ever. So yeah, I never got into it. And then in 2019, a couple of my friends were like, Heba, I think you would really, really like Harry Potter based on something I was saying about my childhood or whatever. And so I started reading them and I got the very, very good advice to not watch the movies until I'm done with the books. So I finished the books last year. It took me two years to read seven incredibly quick reading books. Um, That's neither here nor there. I did take a break after book five. I think it got a little heavy for me. Um, But yeah, nevertheless, I finished them last year and then I started watching the movies with Ozzy, my boyfriend who I started dating last year. So right when we started dating again, I was like, hey, um, your niece is probably like Harry Potter, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, cool. So we should watch the movies because I just finished the books. And he's like, okay, that makes no sense. But sure. (laughs) So we just finished the last movie and I have a controversial opinion And I don't care who comes at me because I'm firm in this. I think the movies are trash. Now, let me back. Let me explain before you come at me. Are the effects good? Yes. Is the acting good? Yes. Are they kind of fun to watch? Yes. Is there, you know, a sparkly, magical vibe to watching the movies? Yes. What I mean by the movies are trash is, okay, if you have read the books and you like the movies, that I understand. I think the movies are a beautiful supplement to the books, supplement to the books. If you read the books, they bring parts of the books to life in a beautiful way. The movies are no substitution for the books, and I think the movies consistently leave out vital information that makes the story make sense. I think if you watch the movies without reading the books, 
it's not a very compelling story. I don't understand how you could possibly be invested in it. And if you watched the movies and you did not read the books and you liked the movies without having read the books, I think that you have bad taste. <laughs> okay. Dead seriously, though? Dead seriously. If you liked the movies and you did not read the books and you actually liked the movies, like you're like, oh my God, they're so good. I love Harry Potter, love Harry Potter. And you never read the books. I think you're wrong. I think you're lying to yourself because they are popular movies and you convinced yourself that you must like them. Is that fucked up to say? I don't care. This goes back to biases. I, I think you're lying to yourself. I think you need to take a hard internal look because the movies do not do a good job of explaining the story. I don't understand how you could become invested in the story if you just watched the movies and you didn't read the books. But if you fall into this camp, please yell at me because I want to hear your opinion on this matter because I just have a hard time understanding it. And I want to say, if you are someone who watched the movies and you did not read the books and you're like, I don't understand why people are so obsessed with this, you're right. Your opinion is right. You are not crazy. You're not missing something. It's because you didn't read the books. The books are a work of art. They are a national treasure. And I know they're not from this country, but they are a national treasure. And I know that the author has said some really fucked up things about trans people. And that's why we're not going to talk about her as being a genius. But what she produced with those books are a work of art. They are, they are the Picassos of our generation. <laughs> they are Mozart and Monet combined. They are... Every impressionist painter of the, I don't know, 19th century. God, I really, I know nothing about art history. This is just embarrassing. They are Warhol. They are everything of the sort. I mean, I, there is literally nothing better. No piece of writing in the history of humanity has been better than the Harry Potter books. They are just beautiful. And frankly, I have such a hard time understanding how the author has such intense transphobic views when so much of the books are so progressive. And she, you know, like there's all these themes of racism and, and these really deep issues addressed in the books in like very cute, magical, child-friendly ways, yet she has these extremely transphobic views. Like it doesn't even make sense. She's confused about her own views. She probably should start listening to this podcast. It would probably help her. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah, the books are phenomenal. Frankly, like, I guess the takeaway here is read the books. If you haven't read the books, if you have read the books, maybe it's time to reread the books because they're so fucking good. And the movies are a beautiful supplement to the books, but they are no substitute. And if you watch them and you didn't get it, I get you. I would recommend reading the books because it'll fill in the blanks and you'll understand what all the hype is about. And if you watch the movies and you didn't read the books and you fed into that hype, I think you need to take a deep internal look on why you're just following along with other people's opinions. That's that moving right along to something else. So I went to Monterey this past week um, for a pistachio growers appreciation conference. 
Um, I was really, really upset about being apart from my dog. If you haven't been listening the past few weeks, um, if you go to the episode from two weeks ago, it's super short. I explained the whole story, but basically my dog was paralyzed seven years ago after her needing a few discs. Um, a couple weeks ago, she herniated another disc and she's on what's called strict rest. She's not allowed to like walk at all, except, um, we have to pick her up to take her outside to use the bathroom. That's it. Otherwise she has to be like, basically be in a confined area. She's supposed to be in a crate, but, um, I had to sign this thing that I wouldn't crate train her when I first rescued her, which is very strange because crate training is a very accepted and respected form of training dogs. Nevertheless, I had to buy this kind of fence thing to put around her bed so that she literally can't move. It's very hard to see. Um, so yeah, I was super stressed about leaving Sammy alone. Um, but she was with Ozzy, my boyfriend who she does really love. So that helped, um, so yeah, I went to Monterey. Um, actually, one last thing on Sam that I will say. This morning when we took her out, I felt like she was walking worse than before. And it's like literally all I can think about. Um, she also has an autoimmune condition. So like if this does get worse and it would require surgery, I don't know that she could withstand surgery. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went to Monterey. Um, I went to this like two to 300 person conference where I knew zero people, which is always a fun situation to put yourself in, especially because it seems like every fucking person there knew each other except for me. I guess these conferences were really like big before COVID. So like a lot of the people there had been coming for like 10, 20, 30 years to these conferences and they all know each other and they're all from California. And I'm just this like Manhattan bitch over there, like wearing all black and knowing no one and like, you know, chugging vodka in a corner because I don't know how to social but I ended up, um, you know, making quote unquote friends. I mean, I don't think we're going to like be, you know, chit chatting <laughs> after this. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe hopefully, but you know, I made conference friends, which was nice. And, um, fuck socializing is so hard. Like it is so hard. Um, one piece of advice I have for socializing is when you're in a situation and you're talking to someone, like, let's say you're at a party and you're talking to someone, I think the rudest and worst thing you could possibly do is be like scanning the room for someone better to talk to. And like, we've all been there. We've either been the victim of this or done it, or we've been on both sides of this. I personally have been on both sides of this. I can't tell you how many parties I've been to where like, while I'm talking to someone, I'm like scanning the room. I'm like, where's the hot guy I can go talk to or something, right? Like we've all kind of done it or had it done to us. But let me tell you, like, I think the coolest vibe you can possibly have in any social situation is to treat the person that you're talking to like they're the only person person in the room. I mean, some of the world's most charismatic people throughout history, that's what people say about them. And it's kind of hard when you're in a crowded setting, especially if like me, you have like attention deficit issues, like who doesn't nowadays have attention deficit issues. Um, by the way, this book I'm reading alleges that it's very much related to mouth breathing, just something to keep in mind. Um, <laughs> if you go a few episodes ago, it was like biohacking tools, something with biohacking tools. I talk about mouth taping, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I just want to say, yeah, that's something that I really want to practice doing is like when I'm talking to someone, 
literally acting like they're the most important and like the only person in the room and that's it because that's a vibe it's a fucking vibe um yeah there's other things I kind of want to talk about from this conference but I might um save it for another day So last thing I'm going to talk about before getting back to the Cosmo sex tips from last episode is uh, I am doing really great with the vape quitting. So it's been, what, like over a week now, right? Because I talked about it last episode, so it's got to be over a week now. Um, Yeah, I'm doing really great. I'm actually not that irritable at all. Like I would say I'm, you know, just at my baseline level of irritability and bitchiness, nothing like beyond what's standard and normal for me. Um, The only really thing I felt is uh, constipation, which is to be expected, especially given the fact that the reason I was beeping was or constipation. I am experimenting with various things and um maybe once I like really get a good hold on it, I'll share all the things that were helpful for me and maybe things that were not helpful or things that I don't recommend. But yeah, so stay tuned for that in the upcoming weeks and maybe I can give a full rundown on everything that I did for quitting also in case that's helpful. Not that Literally anyone told me that they're quitting vaping. Oh, but also how fucking kismet that Jewel was banned like the day after or like two days after or whatever within the first week that I quit vaping. I was not using Jewels when I was vaping, but still thought that was pretty interesting. Um, And, you know, in a self-centered world of you, of course, it's like, oh, hashtag synchronicity. Um, But really, it's probably just dumb coincidence. Okay, so moving right along to um, the funniest overtime sex tips or tips in general from Cosmopolitan Magazine. So last episode, we left off at something about a beer facial, which if I have not addressed it, it said something about eggs in it. And I just have a million questions like, does beer have eggs in it? Because I thought beer was vegan. Now I don't drink beer, so it doesn't personally affect me. But like it does because whatever I buy beer for people sometimes, like if I have people over, I'll buy beer. But if it's not vegan, then I won't buy beer because I'm that bitch. Nothing non-vegan comes into the house really. Or at least I won't spend money on non-vegan things, even for non-vegan people. If you're at my house, you eat vegan. Um, As a general concept, I mean, if you're like a long-term guest, you can eat whatever the fuck you want. But my intention with having people over is to show them how fun a vegan lifestyle can be so that they hopefully incorporate more plants and, um, you know, more ethical food choices in their day-to-day lives also. So (laughs) just, I mean, the arc in this episode, I mean... (laughs) Not everyone can do this shit, guys. No, really, literally anyone could do this. Okay, um, sex tip number, well, we'll just restart the counting this episode because was doing an atrocious job counting last episode. Number one, not eco-friendly. It could be a sign that he'll trash your relationship too. Seriously? Is that like, is that what we're doing now? Because I don't think that's true. Now, there are certain things that I think 
can be a good sign. Like, for example, this is kind of an old trope, but if they're rude to like waiters or waitresses, um, if they're, you know, rude to people who quote unquote, like don't matter, you know, like, wow, can I say that? Like, I don't mean don't matter in terms of those people don't matter. I mean, don't matter in terms of like, they aren't their boss, right? Like, so if you're on a few dates with a guy and he's really nice to like you and you like, you see him being really nice to his boss and like his parents, but like he's treating other people like trash, that can be definitely a red flag, right? Like I see it in myself sometimes. Like I can be really snappy with, when can I be really snappy? Oh, okay. This is a good example of when I can be really snappy. If I'm like making customer service calls, like my computer is broken, something's broken, my flight's canceled, situations like that, I really will try to be nice, but eventually sometimes I lose my cool and I can be a real bitch. And that is actually a really good sign of how I can be a real bitch in relationships, right? Like in the beginning, I'm all nice, but eventually I might lose my cool and like really be unpleasant. So that type of thing I think is very valid. Like if someone is rude to the wait staff, which I have to say I never am, that's a pretty big red flag. If they're rude to people who they deem below them, that's a red flag for two reasons because a they think they're superior to people and b they're um they're just like being rude to people you know like that's that's because that's how they would treat everyone but they're just on their best behavior with the people who they quote unquote think matter again i'm not saying some people don't matter i was just trying to explain that mentality and it came out wrong and you know ordinarily one would cut this type of thing out, but I've been doing this new thing the past three episodes just to break the fourth wall for you a little bit, um, where I have been doing no cuts at all, like literally zero cuts, and I kind of like it. Like I'm kind of loving it, I will say, not because it's less work for me, but because I think it sounds so unfiltered and stream of consciousness, and I think the final product product is so much better. Like, I like that you hear all my mistakes. I like that you hear my thought process. So yeah, moving right along. Um, I don't know that someone not being eco-friendly means that he will trash your relationship. I think it might mean that they're not like educated on environmental issues because like not like we don't come out of the womb aware of these things like I wasn't the most eco-friendly person up until like five six seven years ago I'm fucking vegan now I'm never inside cars like I walk everywhere that I can feasibly walk to in Monterey I walked to Pebble Beach It was a five-mile walk each direction, which actually, like, I've done in New York City all the time, but this had no fucking sidewalks. I was on, like, this windy road (laughs) with no sidewalks, and, like, if I went off-road, there were cliffs, so I couldn't even just, like, walk in the dirt. I mean, it was legit dangerous, but that is how fucking eco-friendly I am. I will do my best to avoid being in transportation. I gave up eating animals and animal products in large part because of the environmental effect. Like I am 
pretty fucking eco-friendly now when I didn't used to be. And I don't think when I di- wasn't, it like was a sign that I was going to trash the relationship at all or that I didn't take like romance seriously. I just wasn't that educated on it. So I don't think this is a fair statement. I think this is a little bit crazy. Like I think it's just odd. Now, if you start dating someone who isn't very eco-friendly, you can teach them ways to be more eco-friendly. Like this is a very teachable moment. I think it's important for us to have empathy and compassion for where people are coming from. Like I used to be fucking like conservative, politically conservative when I was in high school, not because I was an asshole and I'm not saying conservatives are assholes, but like I had views that now I would consider to be extremely unempathetic but it it wasn't because I was like a bad person or this or that. It's because I am a immigrant in this country and I lived in an area where it was very conservative, white, you know, pro-Bush. And I was this Middle Eastern chick in the few years after 9-11 where that was really frowned upon. And so I did my very best to assimilate with the culture that I was in so that I could not be other. So I became pretty conservative because it was my way of being like, look, I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I'm a safe Middle Eastern person, you know, like it's not because I was an asshole. So I think we need to have compassion. Like I, like, I don't think anyone hearing this now judges me for that. But if you just didn't know, and you knew I had all these conservative views, you'd be like, you might be like, wow, like I don't like that on her. But once you hear the background, it's actually like just this really, really sad thing that people should have compassion for. So I don't know. I think we need to have more empathy and compassion with each other. And um, when someone has like views or behaviors that we don't agree with, I think there's a really loving way to educate them um, in like a gentle and nice way rather than just assuming that they're a bad person. Okay, number two. Chill metal spoons in the freezer for a couple of hours, then glide them over each other's skin. I don't know. Is I don't I don't I don't know what to say. Is that is that something people want to do? Is that something anyone has done? Is that like I don't okay. I've read weirder. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe this would be fun. Maybe I should try it. Should I try it? Ooh, how about should I try some of these crazy sex tips and then report back? Is that what is the, the new arc of this show in general? <laughs> like it's just completely focused around Cosmo sex tips. Okay. If people want me to do this, and I will, write in the tips specifically, the specific tips that you want me to try. And I will try. Now, I have to warn you, I will not do anything that violates consent. So from last episode, the one where you have a friend hide in the closet, won't do that. I will not do anything that will give me a yeast infection. So anything with food near the vulva is a hard pass for me. Um, yeah, I think those are like my two hard boundaries. If I think of anything else, I'll let you know. But literally, if you want me to try some of this shit, I will. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. Again, if you want me to try it, I'll try it and let you know what I think. Number three, and this is on apologizing. 
grasp his hands and coax them into a prayer position, then position hands over his. Your words will become more persuasive to him, though he won't know why. Um, okay. I don't really love the manipulation aspect of it. And I also like, did this come from some kind of like body language expert who said this? I don't know. I don't know if this is true. Here's what I think actually does work really well for apologizing. If you're curious, I think number one is admitting fault, like straight up saying like I was wrong. Um, I think like to, taking ownership. So like saying you were wrong, literally verbatim and saying what you were wrong for, and then like making a, like some kind of indication of what you will do differently in the future and never, ever, 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 ever using the word, but even if you're in your mind, there is a, but I think you can explain your rationale later, but it should never be, Hey, I'm sorry I did that, but I just thought blah, blah, blah. Instead, I think what you could do, and let me think of a scenario for this to make it more accessible and understandable. So, oh God, I don't know. I really can't think of anything off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Going back to last episode, the fight I explained between Ozzy and I. So I got really upset because he said that he was worried um, about me being more irritable when I quit vaping. So he could say, I'm sorry I said that, but I really am worried about it. That I think is a shitty apology. What I think would be a better apology would be, hey, I'm so sorry I said that. I can totally see how that would be a really upsetting thing to hear. And in no way did I want to make you think that my only concern was you being irritable for a few weeks and that I'm not super proud of you because I am really proud of you. Where I was coming from is just generally being worried about your moods and I've seen you be sad lately and I just... I've been worried that this is going to make your mood even lower and I just don't know how to properly support you in this time, but I totally understand that what I did was completely wrong and I should have reacted differently, blah, blah, blah. Something to that effect would be a good apology. Now, I understand that it had the word but in it, but it was in a different context, so I think it makes sense, right? I don't know. Anyway, so I think those are tips for good apologies. Also never saying something like, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. And frankly, if you're not sorry, just don't apologize. Don't give a non-apology, in my opinion. Wait until you're actually sorry and then apologize. And if you think you did nothing wrong, I don't know, is this controversial? I think there are times that we can apologize for something. Like you can take ownership for your part in something, even if you think you were overall not wrong. But if you really think you did nothing wrong, I don't know that you should be fake apologizing. And also specifically for women and other marginalized groups, we have a tendency to over apologize and apologize for things where we don't need to be sorry. So yeah, I don't know, maybe a full episode on apologies at some point, but this is not the time nor the place because there are a million sex tips to go through. And frankly, I might not even finish them this week. I might take it on to a third week because this is now a cosmopolitan review podcast. <laughs> okay. Number four, 
drizzle honey between your legs. <sighs> okay, are we even mildly, loosely familiar with the concept of a yeast infection? Because what you're doing there is literally asking for a yeast infection. It is the equivalent of taking out your stationery and writing a letter to the yeast gods and saying, yeast gods, please give me an infection between my legs. I am doing my part by drizzling sugar inside of my vulva. What the fuck? No, do not fucking do this ever, ever. I'm not like very judgmental. I think people should do whatever they want so long as they're not violating other people's rights, which is where consent becomes a huge issue. But this is a hard no. Do not do this. I don't care how much it appeals to you. You will get a yeast infection. Moving right along. Number five, place cookies on your boobs. Like, what the fuck? Like, are you sleeping with a child? Why would you do this? I mean, if you want to do it, it's fine. Just make sure like none of the cookie crumbs get in between your legs or you will get a yeast infection. But like, are you sleeping with Joey from Friends? Like, I don't understand why we can't just have sex and eat separately. Like, why do we have to combine these activities? Like, they're the two best forms of pleasure that we have in this life. Is it necessary to combine them? Can't we just enjoy them each at a time? Now, if you want to combine two really unpleasant activities just to get it over with faster, I get it. But why would you combine the two best activities? Because like, guess what I want to do after sex? I want to fucking eat. I don't want to have eaten during sex because then I won't be hungry after sex. You can only eat so much. Like it's a finite situation. Why would you take away the pleasure of eating by combining it with the pleasure of sex. No. I mean, if you really want to, fine. Just, again, nothing between the legs or you will get a yeast infection. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't get it. Okay, moving along to number possibly six, but <laughs> we know I don't know how to count. Use your hips to spell coconut when on top. Okay, number one, my guess is that the Cosmo editors are like deprived of food or something because it just seems like food is on the mind constantly while they're writing sex tips. Number two, here's a hot take. When you're on top, I think you should do whatever feels good for your body. It is sex. It is for pleasure. It is not a spelling bee nor is it a like dining session. But seriously, when you're on top, it's this beautiful moment where you actually have full control and can use your hips and your hip positioning to figure out exactly what feels good for you. Now, for most vulva owners, and by most, I mean like all pretty much, we need clitoral stimulation to be able to orgasm. And being on top is a really good opportunity to get the perfect type of clitoral stimulation because you're in control. You can use the amount of pressure that you like. You can use the angles that you like. Being on top really is a gift for you. It is not an opportunity to show off that you know how to spell various words. Now, if spelling coconut when you're on top with your hips 
feels good to you, by all means go off, but it is not an opportunity to brag about knowing how to smell coconut or other things. And it is also not a show or a performance for the person that is below you. It is an opportunity to do what feels good for your vulva. Boom. Mic drop. Moving right along. Number seven, potential. Potentially. <laughs> Stop mid-action and point out a camera you've set up in the corner. Maybe someone should teach Cosmo how to spell consent, C-O-N-S-E-N-T, consent. They are not familiar with the concept. This is a consent violation. This is an example of the type of thing I will not do if asked to do it, because before you tape someone having sex, you should always have their consent. Moving right along. (laughs) This is a really good one. Uh, Maybe number eight, but who knows? Find yourself a slutty looking yoga ball. (laughs) Okay, so um, I have not done yoga in a while. Um, I literally have no idea what the fuck this means. Um, Frankly, I'm not even 100% sure what a yoga ball ball is uh i have two guesses one is like those big stability balls that you can sit on um there's a really good cold open in the office it's like season one or two where dwight is like bouncing around oh it's season two um he's bouncing around on his stability ball instead of a chair like he's replaced his chair with a stability ball and he's like oh it's good for your core and oh it's good for this and oh it's good for that and um jim takes a pair of scissors and pokes a hole in it because he's being so annoying um so yeah, maybe it's a ball like that. I, in the times that I have done yoga, I have never encountered those balls in the midst of our savasana, but what the fuck do I know? Um, my other guess is that it's those smaller, but same texture balls that I've seen in Pilates classes. Like you put them sometimes between your knees and press in, and it's a really good um, hip abductor maybe is the word not entire sure work sure workout i don't know it's so those smaller balls right do people know what i'm talking about again i've never seen those in fact in my experience in yoga there have never been balls involved um but i'm not that much of a yoga girly so who knows maybe people are using balls in yoga nevertheless it is beyond me what a slutty ver like this is i i'm just going to reread it find yourself a slutty looking yoga ball what in the fuck how could a ball possibly be slutty looking i don't even it is it, I literally have no words. I also would love to know what they want you to do. Cause like knowing Cosmo, they're probably like grab a stability ball and like do a handstand on it and like have him penetrate you from the top. Like, no, no one's doing this. Literally no one is doing this. Um, Although I will say I do really appreciate sex as like one of the only forms of exercise that I'm consistent about, especially when I'm on top, like it does feel like a good um, thigh and glute workout. And I do really appreciate that about sex because Lord knows I'm not consistent with any other forms of exercise. (laughs) 
<sighs> okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know if anyone has any intel on a slutty looking yoga ball, hit me up. Um, if you want me to try this, I can try to make my own slutty looking yoga ball. Don't know how I would do that. How would you make a ball slutty looking? Like maybe if you, um, buy two of them and like kind of glue them together in the middle and then paint them and um, put some hairs on it and it can look like testicles. Um, would that be slutty looking? Oh, oh, what if um, you buy two of them, put them next to each other, paint them and put nipples on? Would that be slutty? I don't know. What, what would make a ball look slutty? I literally don't know. Does anyone have any idea? I, I'm stumped. Like I love Cosmopolitan magazine right now because that is probably the most unhinged sentence that has ever been written. And I love literally every single thing about it. Okay. Moving right along to, um, uh, who knows, maybe number nine, maybe number 10, somewhere, somewhere, some number, some number. (laughs) Sit on the edge of the washing machine and wrap your legs around his waist as he enters you. Um, okay. I have a lot to say on this. Number one, when we were in college, people used to have sex in the laundry room a lot because, you know, people have roommates. And so like you can go to the laundry room and, um, you're alone. So, um, here's the thing. I think like the intention here is to like, it's like if the washing machine is on, it's kind of like moving and vibrating a little, which makes sense in theory. But if you're sitting on the machine and, um, I, like, I assume this is targeted at vulva owners as Cosmopolitan magazine generally is. Um, and you're sitting on the washing machine and you have your legs wrapped around your partner. The vibration isn't actually hitting like your clit where you would want it to hit. It would be hitting your butt. Now, I don't know if that would feel good. I've never had, um, vibration like under my seat during sex. I mean, I don't know, maybe it would feel good, but I will say the concept of having sex in places other than the bed is always fun. Personally, um, my washing machine is covered with like coats and hats and stuff. And there's actually a really weird smell in there. Like my washing machine smells really bad and I bought this product to clean it and it still smells really bad. So like if anyone has any tips on how to address the stink coming out of my washing machine, you will literally be my hero. It's really driving me quite crazy. So literally if anyone has any ideas, please let me know. Uh, moving along to number 10 ish pop his socks in the microwave for 20 seconds, then slip them on him. It will make him burn with pleasure. Um, okay. I have a lot of questions. Um, are you putting them on his feet or like on it? Was it implied that it's on his penis? I don't know. I want warm socks. Like, is that a thing? Can we microwave our socks? Like, is that is that a thing that people do? If you microwave your sock, will it just be warm and then you can put it on your feet? Like, is this a tip I should keep in mind for the winter? Because I really love it. I don't see how it applies to sex, but I do love the idea of doing it in the winter. Oh, and that reminds me, I once heard this on another podcast that if you keep socks on during sex, it'll help you reach orgasm quicker because, um, uh, you like will need less blood flow to the feet 
because like they'll be warmer. So like keeping your feet warmer will require like less blood to go there and more can go to your genitals or something to that effect to make sex better. I have tried it. I'm not sure that I've noticed a difference, but if you want, I can try to study it more closely. So hit me up if you want this to be one of the tips that I try out. Um, the washing machine, I don't know if I can do cause there's like shelves above my washing machine and also, um, stuff on it. And also it's like really stinky. Um, but like if people really want me to try it, I can make an attempt, but I think the shelves would get in the way of my head. I'm not sure. Um, okay. Number 11 ish. Uh, oh, also don't forget to hit me up if you have tips on the washing machine thing. I'm being so serious about this. It's like so stinky. It's really a problem in my life right now. Okay. Um, ask him to trace his tongue over the skin behind your ear. I mean, listen, if that's your thing, go off. Um, this is a part of my body that I literally never, ever, ever, ever wash, ever. I mean, I wash my hair from time to time, so I don't know if some of the shampoo just like trickles to behind my ear, but I've literally not once in the history of my life washed behind my ears. So I kind of feel like it must be really gross. And personally, I do not want this done to me, but... um if someone wants it done to them, I don't know, maybe it feels good. I don't like, I really like kisses and licks on the neck. I don't personally love a lot of ear work, but that's just me. Uh, number who knows, maybe 12, who knows, um, nestle his dick in your armpit. <laughs> Why? There are so many other perfectly good holes. <laughs> Why that one? Um, like in, in addition with the kind of three classics that we work with, I know people like to do like a putting the shaft in between breasts type situation. I personally don't have breasts that are like quite big enough for that. Although I've gained some weight, I might now, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't see me personally trying this, but I don't know if you want to do it. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, number 13 ish. If he touches his belt, hangs his thumb off a front pocket, or even scratches himself down there, you may need to hose him down. He's subconsciously trying to draw your attention to his assets. Okay. I can't speak for other people, but I can't speak for myself. And my hands are either in my pockets or, um, yesterday I literally scratched my crotch in the street because, um, my my hair is growing back and it gets a little itchy. And not once have I tried to draw someone's attention to my genitals. And I know it's said subconsciously, but like, I'm pretty fucking sure that I was not trying to draw anyone's attention subconsciously to my genitals. It just, it like, I either need somewhere to put my hands or there's an itch that I can't wait to scratch. Um, I don't think this is good advice, uh, moving right along. Squeeze his penis like a bending hose in half to stop him from ejaculating. Okay, I remember reading this when I was a kid, um, like in Cosmopolitan magazine. Like if he's getting close to coming and you want him to stay, um, you should like squeeze the shaft in a certain way and that prevents ejaculation. Um, I don't know. Penis owners listening, is this a thing? Does it work? I don't know. I don't have a penis. I can't comment. Um, 
I will say, I think in general, the owner of the penis should be in charge of tempering his ejaculation. I don't think this is my job. Um, Like, do we have to do everything? Literally. Like, can't that be just your own thing? (sighs) Should we do more? Should we save? Maybe. Okay. There is a bit left. There's a bit left. Oof. Yeah, there's quite a bit left. Should I save it for another episode? Wait, hold on, hold on. Where are we? Okay, I'm just going to try to power through. There aren't that many left. It might just be a slightly long episode. Oh, this is a great one. Hold his penis in one hand and lightly slap it with the other. You can tap it back and forth like you're volleying a tennis ball. Okay, hold on. I need to read this again so I can try to visualize this. Hold his penis in one hand. Okay, I'm like demoing this right now. And lightly slap it (laughs) with the other. Okay, I can visualize this. I'm acting it out. I wish this was a video episode. And then you can tap it back and forth like you're volleying a tennis ball. Okay, so you're just like using left hand to like slap the dick into your right hand and then right hand to slap it back. It's like a game of table tennis. Okay, with the penis. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, listen, I historically am not the most sporty girly, but, um, this might be a sport that I could see myself playing. Like I just, I have a very hard time with hand-eye coordination is the truth. And, um, also I have a very easy time with laziness. So two reasons why I'm not very good at sports, but like really it's just sports with balls. Like I just don't have good hand-eye coordination. This doesn't seem like it requires that much hand-eye coordination. So this could be a fun thing to do. Um, I, Penis owners, is this something that sounds pleasurable for you? Because it doesn't sound pleasurable to me, but like, I'll do it. Um, Let me know if this is one that you want me to try. Uh, okay, moving along. Slip a donut around his penis and slowly eat it off. Um, Again, just these hungry, hungry Cosmo editors. Um, I... The donuts that I have encountered in my life have, like, little to no hole. Um, Like, the hole is just not big enough for, like, grown adult penises that I've seen. Um, With one very notable exception, I did date a guy with a micro penis, and it was extremely thin. His would probably fit inside of a donut hole. Um, But, yeah, I don't, I don't. Or maybe there are, like, gigantic donuts that I don't know about. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, why? I'd rather, like, have my donut with no penis on it. Like, that's just how I enjoy my donuts. Um, I like them glazed, sometimes jelly-filled. Hold the penis. That's my general donut order. So yeah, that's a no from me, but um, if you want me to try this, I don't, I would honestly have to bake a donut that is bigger so that my partner's penis could fit through it. But see, here's my concern. Okay, we do that. 
I wouldn't let him penetrate me after because he's going to have donut dust on his penis and I don't want a yeast infection. So yeah, I might have to say no to this. I'm sorry. Like I won't try this. Next one, plant a little feathery kisses just behind his knees. It seems like a weird spot, but it's super sensitive and he'll melt from the sensation. Really? Sounds weird. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. I don't want people to kiss me behind my knees just to make this abundantly clear, but sure, whatever. I'll try it. If someone wants me to try it, I'll try it. <laughs> Literally, like, no one cares, but if you want me to try something, I will try and report back. Next one, take a good kissing session from pretty good to really good by sucking firmly on his tongue for a split second. Yeah, this is a no for me. And um, this reminds me that I think that we've been fed messaging about like being good kissers throughout our lives that are wrong. Like I remember before I ever kissed thinking that the tongue was going to play a much bigger role than it really does. Um, do you remember this thing that people used to say where it was like, if you can tie a knot in your mouth with a cherry stem, then you're a good kisser. Like that was incredibly misleading. Like what the fuck are people doing with their tongues while kissing? Like it should barely even be a, like a factor. Like, I don't know. I can't describe it, but like, no, I'm not going to suck on someone's tongue. If, and if someone tried to suck on my tongue while we were kissing, I would slap them. Let me make this very clear. That would be the last fucking time we would ever fucking kiss. Like, disgusting. No, 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 no. But if you're into it, like, please go off. I don't know. Um, next one. Sprinkle a little pepper under his nose right before he climaxes. Sneezing can feel similar to an orgasm and amplify the feel-good effects. Um, this sounds dangerous. Um, I don't... Like, what? Now, I will say, I remember I heard in that 70s show, the dad said that an orgasm feels like a sneeze but better, and that is an incredibly accurate statement. It really, really does. Um, they are very connected. I just, like, no, and I don't think that you should do that. Like, I think that could be kind of dangerous. What if you sprinkle too much? Like, what if you get him really sick? Like, this is not, this was clearly pre-COVID advice and I don't know that I can rock with it. I don't know. Um, I don't know that I'll try this because I just, I really don't want to like potentially have like a poison control center situation on my hands. Like, could you imagine that phone call? Yeah. Hi, my boyfriend can't breathe because I threw pepper in his face while we were having sex. I basically pepper sprayed him in the nose because I thought it might improve his orgasm and now he's dead. Whoops. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> As you're riding him, clamp down on his earlobes with your fingers and pull them to rock yourself forward and backward. What? Earlobes? Like you're using them as an anchor? Like how big are these? Like is this a Dumbo situation? Are you sleeping with like a baby elephant from a cartoon? Like I don't like are there no better ways to stabilize yourself? Like hold on to the bed, hold on to his arms, hold on to any body part that's bigger than the earlobes? What in the fuck? But like 
I don't know. Has anyone tried this? Like, I don't know. Like, no, I'm not going to clamp down on his earlobes. It just, I'm just not going to do it. Like what happened to good old fashioned, like normal sex? There's so much good, like there's so much sex advice that could be given. That's actually like useful and helpful. Like, why would you talk about that? I, I don't even understand. Like, it just seems like they want to be creative just to like say weird shit, but like, just give normal sex advice. Ah, uh, okay. Next one. Speak a foreign language during sex. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm too busy like throwing kitchen spices around and clamping down on earlobes. Now I have to fucking like download Rosetta Stone and learn a new language. No, no, no. This is just, I mean, if you want to learn the language, learn a language, but like, what the fuck? Oh, okay. Next one. <laughs> he holds your feet to one side of your head playing you like the fine instrument that you are. Um, the tone of this is really grossing me out. Number one, number two, um, he holds your feet to one side of your head. Okay. Uh, what I'm picturing, I don't know. I don't know. What I'm picturing is like, you're laying down on the bed, your feet are together and up. And he's, you know, penetrating and then he like you're like like your feet are up like towards your head and he moves them to one side of your head. Why? I don't under I literally don't understand. Um I I just I don't understand. I might need a visual of it. Uh like maybe this feels good. I'm not discounting that this feels good. I know a lot of people really enjoy when, you know, you're laying on the bed and your feet are up, like kind of towards your head and he's, you know, penetrating. Um, like I know a lot of people enjoy that position on both sides of it. Um, so maybe having the feet to one side feels better, but the wording of that really grossed me out. Okay. This is the last one. Oh my God. This is so fun. After sex, grab your still moist panties from the floor and use them to tie your hair back. This will show him that you're fun, casual, and easygoing. No, this will show him that you don't know the difference between undergarments and hair accessories. But in all seriousness, this is what bothers me. Why do we need to prove to be fun, casual, and easygoing? Most of the time, I'm none of those things. <laughs> A more realistic portrayal would be for me to start crying and screaming because I can't find my hair tie. That'll actually show him what he's in for, which is a fucking nightmare. Me losing my mind constantly over shit that doesn't matter. I never put panties in my hair. Like, I don't like if you want to do this fine, like if you can't find a hair tie and you have to use your panties, by all means, go off. I like I'm not having an issue with that. I have an issue with the fact that Cosmopolitan magazine is telling us that we have to come off as fun, easy, uh, like casual, whatever the words they used were. And like that brings me to the greater point of this. Like this is fun in games and like hopefully you had a few giggles. Like I personally think I'm fucking hilarious. So <laughs> I've been enjoying I hope this podcast has gotten so unhinged. I'm so sorry. But like, ultimately, this is my point. The dating and sex industry has spent decades convincing us that sex is something for the pleasure of the penis owner and that the vul vulva owners have to do these insane, innovative and creative things all day long to ensure that the penis owners like them. And let's not forget that until 2014, Cosmo didn't even consider that some women are not attracted to men. 
Luckily, since then, Cosmo has been more inclusive of the queer community. But my point isn't to slander Cosmopolitan magazine. It's more this greater thing about the dating and sex industry that has been painted as A, exclusively heterosexual, B, that men are exclusively interested in sex and sex is for their pleasure and that women have to do everything to enhance the male pleasure and in the meantime come off as like really cool, chill and easygoing and that is how they get the man. And I have issues with literally every single part of this. So... Yeah. In conclusion, if you want me to try any of the tips that I read over the past two episodes, let me know and I will do it with the exception of the ones that violate consent or would give me a UTI. That is that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, You know, in all seriousness, I hope you're taking care of yourselves. It's been a really fucking happy week and we could be in for a lot more. And this is a time for all of us to be here for each other. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, Please share this episode with someone you think would take something from it. You know the drill. Seriously, you guys sharing the podcast is how it gets around. Like that's the number one way that people come to the podcast. And all jokes aside, I think we're doing something important here. And um, yeah, I want this community to keep growing and continue being as loyal and amazing as you guys are. So if you could share it, it would mean literally the world to me. Sorry, I say literally so much. Um, My uh, boyfriend's niece is like nine or 10 and she's been saying it all the time and the habit has really rubbed off on me lately. So yeah, I talk like a 16-year-old now. Okay, moving right along. Love you guys. Rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. I know it's annoying, but it means a lot to the podcast. If you could just share this episode in your Instagram stories, it would mean a lot. Seriously, like send it to people. I know it gets like echoey for me to say this every week, but it really fucking helps. I love the podcast so much. I want to keep doing it. This is a way in which you can help me do that. Okay, love you guys. See you next week and send me sex tips that you want me to try and report back on. Bye.